This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Lord Adam the Young Bull of House Parker, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys, and Lady of Jameson, Lord Nelson of the Long Isle, Sir Joshua of House Ross, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry. This podcast is protected by Lord Hunter the Foulmouthed, Lady Amanda of House Ryan, Lady Rajal of House Stevens, Sir Ron of House Golson, Lord Robert the Unfrozen of House Butler, Lord Paramount of Skagos Island. Welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt the Bug Knight. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into Davos 1 of A Clash of Kings, and in our Maester study, we will be discussing Salador San. Yeah, man. This is, uh, you know, every week Ezra and I put together this little doc we use, and it's always, okay, who, you know, uh, the last chapter we read and then the last time we read a chapter of the new person that we're reading and mm-hmm. i was like oh there isn't there isn't one yeah there is because we're finally into a new character it's only taken us um you know what episode are we on 84 83 uh, yeah 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 oh 84 yeah excuse me yeah uh 84 so that's our first character that does not appear in game of thrones mm-hmm and so, yeah, Davos won, man. It's it it's different. It feels different. And now we're getting into bigger uh, things outside of just simply the Game of Thrones. Yeah, really. I, I actually, uh, we've, we've been kind of uh, excited about this because we, you had to kind of get through these first point of views, get your characters from the last book set up and, and figure out where, where they're going, where they're headed. Um, and then now we're introducing these new characters. I mean, the prologue was exciting because Maester Cresson, uh, Melisandre, what have you, that whole situation was was interesting. Now we're back there with Davos, and it's such a, I don't know, it's it's such a genius idea to pick this lens to see Stannis through, you know, and to see Melisandre through, to use Davos, this guy who is, uh, you know, like the Onion Knight. I mean, he's from Flea Bottom, right? He's a smuggler. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so cool. It's it's I, I could really visualize this um this chapter... I don't know. It was it was extra kind of special this week for some for some reason, and uh, I'm really excited to to kind of get into it. But uh, before we do that, though, uh, how's it going, buddy? How you been? Hey, man, it's good. I'm uh, just excited. I'm going to uh, Las Vegas this coming weekend. Uh, not because it's Valentine's Day, but it just happens to fall on Valentine's Day weekend. You know, my girlfriend's yeah. family has a fa- has a family there. Um, but uh, Sir Jimmy is going to be there. And he said, yeah. hey, I'm going to be in Vegas, too. You know, he's uh, helped us design our website. And so uh, we were actually planning on uh, meeting up at, uh, at some point. So, yes, uh, that's going to be cool. Looking certainly looking forward to that. But nice. Uh, yeah, man. Other than that, you know, it's just it feels good. You know, as and I are always talking about stuff that we're doing behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me and meat and cheese is getting ready to uh, come up. Going to be hammering that pretty much when I get back from vacation. It just feels good. Just feel like there's a well, lot of things moving in the right direction. A yeah. lot of things that um, 
Yeah, just excited for it. I'll tell you this. I'm just because, like, it's the biggest um, upgrade we've ever done. It's the biggest, mm -hmm. like, switch transition thing we've ever done uh, in across all of our podcasts and everything. So that's, I guess, what is exciting, and I am looking mm -hmm. forward to it. I can't wait to see it. Should we just tell people at this point? Yeah, let's, just tell, let's tell them. Let's tell them. So basically, um, across the board, across all of our podcasts, we are going to be incorporating video. So you're going to yep. be able to see us podcast. Um, it'll still be on iTunes and everything like that, but it'll also be the YouTube version will no longer be simply a stock image right. uh, that just says, like, you know, posted by Podbean. Um, as an I, you know, we got webcams and all this, all this stuff. I mean, it's I'm, I, I posted a picture on Twitter of kind of my setup here. I mean, I've got a webcam staring me down on this side. I've got another webcam over here. Yeah. I've got you know, lighting all over the place. Um it's I got you know my podcast arm is in front of me. It's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, and so we're gonna be incorporating video, so you can see as and I talking. We spent literally an entire evening uh, mm -hmm. the other day. I mean, like five hours plus some work last night, um, running tests, getting it all set up, so that way it's incredibly easy. Right. Um, you know, you got to make a YouTube intro, YouTube outro that, you know, is different than the ones where than just the podcast one because it's just audio files. Right. Um, but yeah. And then I'm also, you know, upgrading my Internet and stuff like that. So uh, I, I don't know exactly when we're going to be uh, launching it, but it's something that we're, we're working on. It's definitely coming here, um, you know, probably certainly probably by the beginning of, of April, probably. I mean. It pretty much comes down to hey, when's when's the guy coming to fix my internet? Because it requires obviously a lot more internet yeah, yeah. capacity um, to upload. And there's still a couple of things we got to fine fine tune, but I'd say we're like ninety percent of of the way there. But yeah, across the board, um, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be really cool. I think yeah, we're gonna, I think people are gonna like it. Yeah, it's gonna be really neat. I mean, we'll we'll kind of have um, more of a. Like uh, we'll be pretty strict on like our recording schedule, and you guys will be able to kind of. Um, know when we're recording and I might even turn on discord and get some comments going that way and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's, it's going to be next level. It's gonna be really neat. And, and as Sir Matt has said, like, yeah, just a couple things. I think we're probably going to do a trial run at the end of February, do a couple uh, recordings or maybe March. Uh, I mm -hmm. think we're starting with, we're going to start with one podcast and then, uh, in, in February, then move to the second one, which will be, mm -hmm. uh, this podcast and, and try to, you know, hopefully make it we want it we would when we launch it and we have it up there we want it to be really really cool and another thing i'll just mention this because people are like ah, you're just adding video we're going to be doing here's the thing when you add video that video component to youtube and we start making those um we turn the podcast into a video cast um we are also then i guess i feel more motivated to take some of my green dreams and some of my like this doc that i have it's my master mm -hmm. It's my master doc where I work and I, I it has for me, I go to it um, when we're on the fly and I need to remember, remember Azora High or I need to remember, you know, some theory that we went over back in the day when we did follow up Friday. I have this doc and from it, I, I would be more willing and more compelled, I guess, to make smaller, short YouTube videos um, mm -hmm. just to discuss those theories. So that's the extra uh, bit, I guess, that you'll be getting, which is you're going to be getting some stuff for your uh, just video podcast and then even more additional content uh there so i think it's going to be exciting i think it's gonna be really cool and, and i'm excited to do it uh just i don't know it's a whole nother you know it is yeah it's, thing, another, it's just it's, it's it's another it's another component but it also it'll also allow you guys to engage even more um 
than you already do because you know we're looking we're looking at you know like hey is this something we could like we could stream actually we could live do the episodes sure um you know there's just a bunch of stuff a bunch of variables that we gotta we gotta figure out and okay you know is this um we're doing you know are people going to be interested all of the all of that kind of stuff um so yeah that's basically what we're working on it's going to be i think once we get it down it's going to be really 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 cool um and i think you guys i think people are going to like it so i'm that's just where i'm at on it yeah yeah well and one quick thing you know we actually had started this well before the spider attack but uh really you'd be able to see the you know the attack Uh, well god man that would have been even crazier because people probably would have seen it crawling up and then me glance over and flick it around and (laughs) hey we do have a we do have a raven about that later and i'll tell you what i looked back to where i flicked i didn't see a, a dead spider body over there so i don't know where it's at it could still be here yeah 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 (laughs) <laughs> uh, so I don't I'm not entirely not entirely sure about that. But uh, wow. Um, yeah. But anyway, so speaking, though, really quickly of people influencing the show and all that stuff, um, Raven's Nest, the next Raven's Nest where I, we don't have a set date on. We'll probably post something in the group and let you guys kind of decide. I'm probably thinking um, about the end of March, middle to end of March. And as an I uh, would like to do a discussion on the Hedge Knight. That's you know the first book in the Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, or you can find it on its own. Uh, again, we as many times has had the we highly recommend the audiobook because you get all three: the Hedge Knight, the Mystery Knight, and or the Hedge Knight, the Sworn Sword, and the Mystery Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll give some people some time, some time to uh, to read that. But we've we've talked, uh, we've done episodes on it on this on this channel. Uh, certainly, uh, there's a bigger really in-depth stuff on our patreon but we've never done a discussion about that series with our patrons and so we thought it'd be really 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 cool uh to do that as the next uh raven's nest so yeah probably you know middle certain probably middle to end of march that'll give everyone some time to uh to read it and then we'll, we'll you know we'll hard we'll, we'll find a day probably something in the group the Facebook group will settle on a day and then that's what we'll go with. Yeah. And, and, and I haven't, um, this is something I've just been kind of thinking about as we go into, you know, this new uh, prequel TV show. Uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, Sir Matt and I have talked here on the podcast about going back to Fire and Blood, uh, A World of Ice and Fire and things like that. And we've had a lot of people after season eight who have joined uh, the podcast and were not around and probably have not gone back and listened to those episodes where uh, we covered all of that, and really, it's good. It's good for us even mm-hmm. to refresh ourselves on that. So going forward in Raven's Nest, you know, it'd be interesting uh, for you know maybe like Sir Peter, Sandy the Dragon, others, um, Lord Adam, Lady Amanda to to come and, and sort of help us uh, go through uh, again, as, as Sir Matt is saying, the Hedge Knight series, and then from there go back even further and start with Aegon's conquest, and mm-hmm. maybe pick a few chapters and say, if you guys want to read these, come on, discuss them. It is a little you know uh, more intense, and it, it it's sort of like Yes, it's it requires you to kind of read the main series, kind of like what we do, Sir Matt. I mean, really, you know, that's that's why we have our bannermen. Like they are the th- these are people who are really super into this, and and we want them to be involved in that. So with with YouTube, uh, that extra video piece, I, I, we're thinking about making some videos that talk about this um, this time in in Targaryen history. So be excited about that, and and I guess you know towards as we get closer to summer. I'm I'm off in the summers just being a teacher, and I know you know screw you as I know it's terrible, but but uh, <laughs> but anyways, it'll open me up to do a lot more. It's, it's typically when I get a lot more reading done, a lot more content created, and I'm way more interactive with you guys. And I would I would even be willing to host you know Raven's Nest with some people who are you know reading through Fire and Blood, and you want to get through that first volume. 
uh, or at least through the Dance of Dragons. Like, I think that would be really cool to help us prepare uh, for that show that's coming out. And then, you know, a little segue here into, did, did you find an article, was that a joke earlier about the Winds of Winter this this summer? Yeah, I think, I think it was clickbait. Yeah, somebody, I, you know, there's not really a lot of news on it. And a lot of times if you just do a search for Winds of Winter, what ends up coming up is somebody will take literally one phrase that Gurr said or something he may have said weeks ago, and then they make an entire article out of it. You know, there's just sure. a lot of clickbait clickbait on it um okay i'm still on board hey i'm still on board with he's gonna say he's gonna he's gonna what if he gets to that convention and he like walks up the stage and he's like it's it's, instead of saying it's done he's like it's close (laughs) it's close yeah yeah because we're hoping for some epic like like no 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 I, i can see it like it's typically how he starts his thing he's like all right, you know, like he gets up there. He was like, "I know you're all wanting this, and it's been asked about. I'm going to get this out of the way right now. I'm still working on it. Oh, it God. will be finished by 2022." Like, oh my God, <laughs> oh, oh my shoot. God. Anyways, yeah, you know, and actually, again, here another little segue as we get into and move from that and into Maester study and things. Um, I was thinking about Stannis today as we were reading this chapter, uh, Davos one. And I thought, you know, I was looking back to the show. There's a reason they did not show his death on 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 screen. Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they yeah. just show her killing him? You know, uh, why is it that he's still, air quote, like just sitting at a tree, maybe bleeding yeah. out? Dying? You know what I'm saying, Sir Matt? Like, it makes me think that he's not going. They have no idea. That was another one of those indicators that said, I, I was like, okay, we have literally no clue what's going to happen or when or how his death is going to take place or or what have you and this whole davos chapter has got me thinking just more about stannis and the battle to come there uh, as we go into the winds of winter and i'm just like he could make it that could be a a battle uh, like again not of the of the bat like the bastards battle but not the battle of the bastards like it could be something like that i mean we're gearing up for 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 that uh, siege on on winterfell and it so, anyways, I I just keep thinking to myself. The show did not show him killed, like he the, like he was he was still alive, uh, as far as we know. Yeah, maybe they left it. Maybe they left it open. Like in 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 doing it that way, I mean, without actually showing. I mean, they've pretty much come out and said he's dead. Yeah, yeah. But but it, at that at that point in time when they were filming it, maybe they were leaving it open because maybe they were planning. A, you know, hey, you know, let's let's go talk to George and see what happens and maybe if we want to weave it in that he's still alive we could just give it just it just gives them the i think it gave them the option well you to, know to bring to bring him back later if they wanted i mean but i would i would say probably 90 percent of what their mindset was was he's dead mm-hmm. i just yeah i just i still I, I still to this day do find it odd that they, they just didn't show his death especially when this is a, this is the show especially I mean, you know, we see Catelyn Stark, you know, stat throat slit. We see Ned Stark's head cut off. We see yeah. Joffrey, you know, eat a eat, eat cake and then be like poison, and his yeah. eyes are bulging out. I mean, look at the way the Viper dies. Right. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah. When people die, they die. I mean, like he lets yeah. it be known that they're dead. Like, um, and then the crazy thing—that's what they did in the show. He does that in the books, but then even in the books, he has the ability to bring someone like Catelyn Stark back. And so it is sort of another wild little magical element that he has more so in the books. But I, I was thinking maybe the show did that because they were thinking, one, they don't know. Uh, two, maybe George told them to make it 
as ambiguous as possible because he didn't want folks to know right out the gate in Winds of Winter, like, this battle's going to take place and Stannis is going to be killed. You know, I mean, like, maybe maybe he didn't want that to be known uh, because yeah. a lot of people were theorizing that he, uh, like, the holes in, that they're digging in the ice, they're between these two lakes right now, uh, that uh, the fray force that's coming for them is going to be beat and that he'll then move on from there. I think this going to be a smaller battle and then he'll move to the Siege of Winterfell, and that may be different. Like, he may win one and then go there and be defeated, but who knows? So I just thought, I thought it was interesting. It just had me thinking uh, as, as we get back into Stannis, and Stannis is sending out his ravens and uh, making his declaration. It's, it's kind of cool. So, um, okay, now let me, uh, so I mentioned we're going to do a quick little maester study here on Salador San um, and just look at who he is as a character. This is one I, I was telling Matt uh, that I thought maybe he showed up a little bit later. I remember him being a, a, a pretty big deal and someone who Davos has worked with. I mean, he's also kind of he's a Lysine pirate. He's a he's a smuggler, trader, banker. He's a lot of different things. Uh, he's, he's interesting character, though, and I thought he showed up a little bit later. But no, he's right here. First chapter with Davos. Boom. They bring this character in as well. And he sticks around, just so you guys know, he sticks around clear into um, A Dance of Dragons, and he's very close with Davos. Like, they kind of see see the world in a similar way. I mean, he, again, is from Essos. Uh, he's really more of a pirate, uh, actually, but he is wealthy, very wealthy, and he has tons of ships. And right now, something that um, Stannis is trying to do is he's, he's sending Davos and others, you know, um, across the sea across the narrow sea to gather um, support, maybe even from Essos, if need be, because right now he can't really find any support. That's the big thing. Stannis is struggling. You know, the people of Westeros, air quote, don't love him. And so we seek out someone like Salador San, and it's... it's um, so, yeah, he's, he's he self-proclaimed prince of the narrow sea, all right? Um, he has... At one point, he says that he has several wives. Um, Davos comes back with their concubines, uh, but but yeah, he has this long distinguished history as a pirate lord, um, and his family actually has they've been known as these pirate lords stretching clear back at least three centuries uh, to the reign of Aegon the first. So that's interesting, right? Um, mm -hmm. Just a little little connection. So this is a it's not like he acquired all of this wealth on his own. He he then has inherited wealth from family members. So it's a big deal that they have him and they've recruited him. So his interaction with Davos is is fascinating. Um, yeah, it's we'll see right away. Like he's a, a he speaks in a really blunt manner. Um, he's much like Davos. Like they just they don't BS. They don't beat around the bush. They get right to it. And like a piece of paper that promises him money is not something that he's really interested in. I mean, he still does. He is kind of following a man who he thinks has a chance to become the most powerful man and has a good claim uh, here in Westeros. And he's looking for that. And he's hopeful that that's going to happen. But uh, he will he will eventually tire out of sort of these, because we know where Stannis' story goes, like these, these promises on paper. Uh, he wants gold. He wants these things that Stannis doesn't really have and can't, can't offer him yet. So, yeah. Yeah, he's an interesting character, and, and I'm glad that he's here. Uh, he is, um, yeah, you just kind of need to know that he's a pirate. He's he's a, a Lysini. He's across the Narrow Sea, Prince of the Narrow Sea, and uh, he's a really cool, really cool character, and he has tons of wealth and power. Yeah, and his family, um, if you go back a little bit, uh, Salador Sand's family, the Sand family, 
were actually you know, they're pirate lords throughout their history. They were actually one of the families that uh, was part of the Band of Nine, mm-hmm. right? Which yeah. is the, the if you go back to the I think it's the fifth Blackfire Rebellion. I think the, that's the final one. Um, it's Melee's Blackfire. It's or um, Barris and Selmy fights him. Mm-hmm. You know, the War of the Nine Penny Kings. Yeah, so his family was one of those ones that was part of that that big arm that big uh, group. It was like merchants pirates um what you know what have you uh rallying around yeah. Haley's blackfire as that as the that blackfire rebellion the final blackfire rebellion so it's cool that so he 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 is a descendant um i think his uh samaro san was one of them mm-hmm. yeah it's got that that's a neat little um time period too where they were kind of cutting out their own almost like cities or kingdoms or islands where they could you know continue to acquire wealth and control the you know trade across the narrow sea um continue with their pirating really and, and almost set up like a toll system where you if you want to trade with with westeros you have to come through us and that was not good uh for people in westeros and maybe not even in essos but these guys were right there on the narrow sea trying to do uh, exactly what you said so yeah and and it causes um causes some issues and, and I, what's neat though is is that his family it looks like they were able to uh keep a lot of their wealth and and sort of um keep their their name they weren't completely defeated and destroyed and and their wealth lost and stuff so whatever you know cutout that they made there that they've they've been able to keep and pass down so mm-hmm. absolutely yeah all right man boom well um it's time to hit up the reread i guess right yeah i mean that's where absolutely. we're at so okay well this week we're into davos one uh last week we were with aria where aria and the others have abandoned the King's Road to avoid the Gold Cloaks. As they traveled west, they came across a burned village. When Arya goes to make water in the forest, she runs into a wolf pack, which scares her. She reports this to Yorin, who laments that they should have taken a ship instead. Uh, we do not have a uh, POV chapter for Davos, because this is our first one. And this mm-hmm. chapter is uh, unlike last week, which was really short. Uh, not a lot going on. This is the total opposite. Uh, there's a ton yeah. going on, and this is um, a much, much longer chapter. So um, Davos Seaworth watches the burning of the seven. Entered, entering the fire, Stannis Baratheon draws out the sword Lightbringer, and Melisandre pro- proclaims him Azor High Reborn. Later, Davos hears new uh, uh, news of the war um, from the pirate Salador San, who insists Stannis' new sword is not the true Lightbringer. That night, Davos and Stannis discuss his plan to claim the Iron Throne. When Davos asks why he supports Melisandre's for foreign god, Stannis explains he means to discover Melisandre's true power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, there's there's a lot. This is a big chapter. Uh, it was yeah. about an hour on Audible. Yep. Um, last, week, last week's chapter, I think, was around 10 minutes on Audible. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, here we go. So much bigger. So... The morning air was dark with the smoke of burning gods. They were all afire now, maid and mother, warrior and smith, the crone with her pearl eyes and the father with his gilded beard, even the stranger carved to look more animal than human. The old dry wood and countless layers of paint and varnish blazed with a fierce, hungry light. Heat rose, shimmering through the chill air behind the gargoyles and stone dragons of the castle walls, seemed blurred, as if Davos were seeing them through the veil of tears, or as if the beasts were trembling. Uh, yeah, so it starts, it starts out, we're on Dragonstone. You know, if you go back to that... Um, 
the prologue of this book. That's when we, you know, see pa- uh, Patchface and uh, Maester Crescent. You know, they're they're getting ready for this this ceremony that's that's taking place on Dragonstone with with Melisandre. You know, they're burning the effigies of the seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. and and this is really the first time that we. I say this is really the th- it's really the third religion um were were introduced to in 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 this series um you know we have the seven and the old gods those are you know in the in the first book those are made okay the those two get get more of the light and then you get a little bit of kind of the dothraki religion but it is never it's not really like it's just kind of there and it's different it's but it's not it's not nearly as kind of in your face as relore is about to be yeah Oh yeah, 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 for sure. It's what you know. It's crazy. I, I, I'm doing a little. Um, just as as you're reading some of this, and and you say that it's that there's a lot to cover. I mean, in Davos himself, and just at the start of this, so he he is speaking um here with his son, and mind you, like there's a one of the themes in this is that there's a there's a struggle between Rolor, this new god that is being brought into the in, into Westeros, and it's really conflicting with the Seven. And uh, Davos, you know, he has seven sons. So I thought, you know, this is a man who like, like he's, and he talks about like sort of the influence that the seven have on him and Allard, his second son right away is already kind of murmuring out loud um, that this is an ill thing, that this, this burning of the, of the, of the seven gods here is, is not good. And Davos is telling him to watch his tongue. Remember where you're at. Like so, it's a time of of transition here in in a in a place where they traditionally worship the seven. I mean, these people are are kind of going like this is this is a big shift. A lot of these people prayed to the seven, and now we're switching to Relor. Uh, just kind of wild. I wanted to point that out as before we even really get into all of his sons and and what maybe uh, their beliefs are and and everything because it is so cool that his sons and you know through Davos they've risen to this position and to see them this close to the king and this close to his counselors it's just really cool it's that second generation where they're really uh uh davos is proud of them it's again it was some of his sacrifice early on that kind of put his his boys where they're at and then he even thinks forward to his grandsons you know and that they'll be even greater uh but Mm -hmm. he is he's at the start of this new kind of house um if you will and and everything so yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, there, this line right here, uh, you know, hundreds had come to the castle gates to bear witness to the burning of the seven. The smell in the air was ugly. Even for soldiers, it was hard not to feel uneasy at such an affront to the gods most had worshipped all their lives. Yeah, you know, and I think th- this is actually I think the show does a really good job of this where, um, you know, we don't really ever get a see Essos and um what it looks like over there but here it seems almost much more of like a cult right like uh you know this we're we're out here on a beach we're burning you know symbols of gods that we've worshipped you know our entire lives and as did our (laughs) as did you know our our fathers and grand you know forefathers and all of that stuff and we're you know we're doing this weird ceremony i mean you know it's it's definitely an odd situation going on here and here is um, Stannis Baratheon, who in probably a lot of people's eyes uh, is, you know, proclaiming to be king, uh, you know, as a usurper. A lot of a lot of people, mm-hmm. you, you yeah. know, a lot of people. I mean, there's definitely even among the small folk, the, you know, the 
the talk and the rumors that, you know, Joffrey may not be Robert's son, but to I think probably the majority of people, they just view Joffrey as their king. And so yeah. here you have here you have Stannis, the brother that is kind of known as being really harsh and, you know, brooded. And he, you know, is over there in Dragonstone and he's not really seen a lot. And now it's, oh, we're going to war uh, and we're mm-hmm. throwing we're casting aside our gods. So I'm sure to a lot of the small folk, this is uh very this looks real bad well yeah for sure and you know I, I just thought of this but i mean the one reason why you're accepting joffrey and tommen and marcella is that they've always been princes and princesses right they that's that's the role they've been in all their life they, they, they've the small folk have known them as that's the prince you know and when we see him or he like that's that's who he is so it's it's hard to sort of hear somebody then say all of a sudden after a mysterious death or you know the death of, of robert that these weren't his children. Well, wait, well, he treated them like they were his children. Did he not know? Was he deceived? I mean, it's, it's a hard sell. And that is some somewhat of what Davos is explaining to him in this chapter. And this we'll, we'll, we'll get into Edric Storm here in a little bit and, and understand why he is so significant uh, and, and important. But yeah, so, uh, the, okay, the red woman here. So uh, Melisandre, first of, the, one of the first things she does, and this is kind of crazy, right? She She's walking around the fires three times. All right, so there's there's that. Um, the number three, whenever it shows up, it's sort of a big deal. Uh, praying once in the speech of a shy. Right there is dark speech, man. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Like, at that point, <laughs> you're uttering stuff. I mean, I can literally see, like, Lord Elrond telling Gandalf, like, we, you know, we haven't heard that speech in, you know, here. Like, <laughs> like get that out of here, man. <laughs> I mean, that right there, bad sign. Uh, once in high Valyrian, okay, whatever. Yeah, and then finally in the common tongue, uh, we hear sort of the prayer. Uh, and, and Davos only understood the last. Relore, come to us in our darkness, she called Lord of Light. Uh, we offer uh, you these false gods, uh, these seven, uh, who are one, and him the enemy. Like, wait, what? Um, take them and cast your light upon us, for the night is dark and full of terrors. Uh, Queen Solis echoed the words. You know, Queen Solis kind of scares me a little bit. Uh, she she is really hardcore, um, you know, bought into this. And is a big believer in it. She's like they now start. I I, I kind of think like Celise was. I don't know. Stannis loves her. It's his duty. That's his wife. And but it, there's no real warmth between them, right? And maybe it's been cold on Dragonstone for years, and maybe she's felt even some of the slights that Stannis himself has felt. Uh, and now she has this chance to where Lady Melisandre actually threw her. Like, it seems like she's, a lot of her influence or her hooks are really in on Solis. And uh, th- that, I think, is is interesting um, and, and why she, she so latches on to her. And you, at, you'll even have a point here later on where you have Queensmen and you have Kingsmen. And that's interesting. That shouldn't be that way, necessarily. And you almost wonder, like, Stannis knows that, but why is he allowing it? Right. Why is he like, why, why is there uh, that, that distinction allowed to be made? He's the king. So it's just interesting. I I don't know. It is. is. It's never really talked about much or or addressed, but. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I was, I was just, I was just doing some reading there and I was thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know that we ever later learn how Melisandre, how Melisandre appeared on Dragonstone. Um, The only reference is, I guess in in a Game of Thrones, there's a moment when Tywin is talking to Tyrion. Um, you know, just on stuff that he's heard about Lord Varys uh, mm-hmm. say, and he says he's heard that Stannis is bringing a shadow binder from a Shai to Dragonstone. 
Mm-hmm. And so I do, I do think, I do, I do wonder, you know, um, because I would kind of imagine that Celise is just super easy, eager to please Stannis, um, just in anything. Uh, that's probably especially because her husband is very, mm-hmm. um, you know, like hard and stern, yeah. and probably does not show her much affection at all. And so she, um, I, I, I think that if it were, you know, even something else, like if Stannis were going to decide to joust or something that she would be like oh you're going to be so great you're going to do this yeah, that just seems to be kind of her personality is that she's going to go along with whatever it is that he's deciding um so i i don't think it's nearly as much of her buying into this religion as much as she is buying into stannis is viewing this as a way to uh separate himself from the pack possibly get a leg up you know fulfill his his duty and in his mind his destiny and so i think that is where she's buying in more to more so than the religion itself mm-hmm. yeah well yeah for sure and you, well, in this next paragraph you can really see sort of her dedication i mean the men go to defend these statues you know uh, like and and it's the queen's men who are who are charged with going in there and really um attacking here like like stannis is there he's just there he's sort of like going to do his thing his wife is the one sort of like telling him, you know, that you're, air quote, the chosen one. R'hllor is the one true God, and we need to burn these seven. It's just so abrupt, and you almost wonder, is there like a spell on, like, like on, these, on these people? Like, what was it that really, because it's not until later that Stannis sort of sees into the flames himself. But right now, there's like she's working through Solis and the Queen's men. And they're just doing these things, and I maybe maybe Stannis is so focused on just what's happening in King's Landing and trying to make his claim. Um, but like, did he? Yeah, did he summon for her, or or was it like his wife had had encountered her uh, across Essos? If, if you're listening and you know, like, let us know. I, I I don't really remember how that how that happens, other than your reference in Game of Thrones. There, yeah, yeah. There's that, and then um, you know, on on her wiki, it says that it seems as if she had come to. Dragonstone on her own. That is uh, in a So Spake Martin interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I guess it's not really, it's just at some point she she had gone to, to Dragonstone on her own. So it's possible maybe she shows up and then uh, because she's so different and so unique, you know, the way Varys hears it, you know, play telephone and then and then Tywin hears it is that Stannis summoned her, you know, give, maybe giving the timing and he's getting... He's getting there. So it is possible she was there on her own seeking out who she believes to be, uh, you know, Azor High, right? Which we'll get yeah. to here, here in a bit. And that's also what we're going to be talking about a little bit more in uh, our extended edition on Patreon today is um, uh, Azor High. But yeah, so I, it's, I guess, I mean, if, if Gurr said it in an interview, I think I would take that a little bit more over what we have in the. Um, just in the rumored version, you know, we talk a lot about perception and whose point of view is it. And so you can see how that game of telephone would be played. So if she, if it was just her on her own, then, yeah, how did she come into uh, Stannis's you know, line of sight and how did she kind of get to the position she's in? My guess, if I had to take a guess, I would say that, you know, at some point for Stannis to really buy into this is not just odd. She would have she would show him her magic mm-hmm. and for people especially somebody so grounded in kind of like a straight you know tunnel vision stannis um seeing that would for a lot of people i mean look at daenerys you know once daenerys 
is on is on the is on the altar there with Cal Drogo and she awakes and she's not hurt, harmed by the fire she just stood in and she has three dragons people are much more willing to say okay there's a, clearly something going on here so yeah right right um and another thing i guess yeah and i, I see what you're saying you know Stannis is he's something's going to he needs more to kind of pull him in here um, but like something has already happened because he is allowing the Queensmen to go tear these statues down. You have, um, S Sir Hubert Ramberton and his sons are in there defending these, these, um, you know, gods, they, they end up slaying four of the Queen's men. Uh, his surviving sons are thrown into like, um, you know, into the prison and the other Lords who couldn't support Stannis's claim anymore are, are also imprisoned. And it's, it's odd because like, man, th this is abrupt. It must be abrupt because, he it's radical too i mean in that like relor is coming in like the seven have lived peacefully with uh the ironborn and the old gods like you know like the starks worshiping the old gods and then the ironborn the drowned god and what have you and then most of the kingdom um being being uh loyal to the seven like they all kind of still work so you have relor coming in saying no i mean like as in, we're going to tear this down, and if you worship anything else, like Davos is even afraid to say, like you can't just say, like okay, if you that's fine, you worship Relor and I'll worship the Seven, no big deal. Let's work together because we're trying to put Stannis on the throne. No, if you're a follower and you're someone who's going to be a part of Stannis's camp, it's like you have to really be in on this. There's it's it's all or nothing, and I think that is what makes it a little bit more. I don't want to say radical, but it makes it kind of extreme, right? That like like there's no in between here, and and I use the example of the Seven sort of coexisting with the old gods and even allowing, you know, Winterfell, they have a sept, uh, even though they worship the old gods, like that's there for Catelyn. And so she goes there where, where Eddard Stark goes down to, you know, pray before the old gods. And the same thing is in the Southern kingdoms where they have the Weirwood groves still there and they still kind of honor that. And there's like a pack or a peace between them. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, like, isn't that odd, right? A little bit. I mean, because, mm -hmm. It's weird, too, how she's taken R'hllor over, because in Essos, in, in, in those regions, yes, I mean, Salador kind of says that you see R'hllor over there quite a bit, and he's used to, he actually is getting bored with all their burnings and the burning of, of gods and statues and stuff, and I don't know if it's gods, necessarily, I have to go kind of look again, but, like, there's a lot of other uh, faiths and religions and gods that are worshipped over there, but yet there's not open, like, warfare among them based on that it's more based upon your city or your like your, whoever your fault like like a skirmish could break out but it's not as it's not to the level i guess that melisandre brings when she comes in here i mean she's calling these other gods like abominations and she's she's really now maybe they are you know still preaching that over in essos but it's not like they're we don't we don't spend we don't spend as much time in essos dealing yeah, with religion as mm -hmm. we do over here dealing with religion yeah, yeah and, and it's and yeah. it's it, and you're right it it is it is very um very different it kind of reminds me and maybe you know Ger drew a lot of inspiration um from we're real world european events right you look back at the, the roman empire right you know in rome they worshiped tons and tons of gods and then once christianity starts to come in and it's well there's one god and mm -hmm. you know that that's oh this is different this is where they started to have some some conflict there, and that's I think maybe what maybe 
some of his his um inspiration actually for for a lore mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure um and, and just so we know you know again davos and his seven sons i mean he he has a whole paragraph here where he talks about that the gods um, had never meant much to him as a smuggler, but that he did pray to the warrior, you know, before battle and to the smith when he launched his ship and to the mother when his wife uh, grew great with child. So he has this ill feeling watching those gods burn um, there. And I thought it was interesting, too. Later on, he'll have sort of like um, like salt and smoke, like he has sort mm-hmm. of like his tears and his smoke. <laughs> Smoke from the burning. It was just interesting. Um, yeah, say some people. Some people certainly have him as a candidate for um, yeah. Azor High. Yeah, which we'll get to now. Real quick here before we, um, you know, Davos has a lot of in this chapter. He has a lot of inner dialogue. Um, you know, he's he's uh, if you're if you're reading, it's all you know, an italicized. You know, he says like Maester Crescent would have stopped this. Um, he thinks then he uh, he thinks you know what else could it be? He drank a cup of death to free Stannis from Melisandre, but somehow her God shielded her. Um, and then throughout this chapter, we're learning a lot about Davos and his rise to where he is. Um, this is our first time in the books seeing this character, so he's. Um, we're learning about him and he has he just has he has a he has a cool line here he says you know my grandsons will joust with theirs though and one day their blood may wed with mine and time my little black ship will fly as high as the valyrian seahorse or Celtigar's red crabs that is if stannis w- wins his throne um you know then he starts to talk a little bit about his relationship with stannis is everything i am i owe to him and so this is you have this kind of going on at the same time as the the seven are being burned because we're learning about davos and his his kind of his rise to where he is um you know davos uh is a smuggler he showed up during robert's rebellion uh providing onions to stannis uh you know when they were they were um they were besieged there at storm's end so he he gives them food so they can uh continue fighting because i think that they'd been held in there for a couple like months and so they were eating rats they were they were uh, really on their last legs there um and then it basically gives them enough time for then lord eddard start comes down and and helps helps break that siege and so stannis honors him he promotes him to a knight but because he has been a smuggler his whole life he cuts off davos's fingers on one of his hands and so he he he's got this weird in a weird way a weird relationship, but he doesn't seem he thinks it's fair, it's just, um, and and certainly a, probably better than he thinks he deserves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, what you and you mentioned sort of, um, you know, as so Davos does as you said a lot of internal thinking, and you mentioned his grandsons and where that's going to, uh, where he he thinks about how things will be easier for them because right now he looks around at these other lords and although they give him the nod and the uh, some, mm-hmm. some courtesy and stuff, like he's wondering very much what they think about during the, these burnings of gods that they once worshipped and stuff. So like that's, as you say, you will see him look at, at one of those guys and then have those thoughts about what are they thinking and then also, boy, won't it be easier? You know, like they're, they're not like to tell me their thoughts, but maybe one day they would confide, you know, lords of that caliber would confide in his grandsons. Because they'll, exactly. you know, yeah, that's the, the hope that he kind of has, which is awesome. That's why it's it's a lens that we like to look through. Davos is sort of somewhat, re- you know, relatable, um, more relatable, I would say. Uh, interesting here, 
So as as we move on real quick, um, something about these gods, just a quick little random fact for you guys that it's, that's kind of neat that uh, Gurm mentions. Uh, Septon Barr mentioned that these gods were actually carved from the the ship mast of the um, of the ships that brought the Targaryens from Valeria. So that's kind of cool. Like these are Valerian ships that were brought over here, and then their masts were used to, um, you know, they cut those and they carved them into the likeness of the seven. And then over time, they've been jeweled and painted and different things. Um, but just a cool little fact there, I guess. Uh, and then now, you get into some of these lords: Lord Keltigar, um, Lord Lord Bar Emin, uh, Lord Valerion, which we know Lord Val- like like in in. Um, Fire and Blood, and in a world of ice and fire, Lord Valerion, and and, and the connection to, uh, you know, that house and House Targaryen are pretty strong, just because of the old Valeria ties and marrying into the family and and that kind of stuff. Uh, they have similar, you know, physical characteristics, right? That look very Valerian. Uh, so those are some of the lords who are watching this this burning, and they don't seem to be happy with it. Actually, like he wants to know what they're thinking. They one is having a coughing spell, um, one turns splotchy gray, and one wasn't even watching the burning. He was just staring at Stannis, probably wondering what Stannis was thinking, and really not looking at these this burning that's taking place, the sacrifice of these gods, but looking to his king and saying, "I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna look at this or honor this with my own sight or bear witness to it. I'm just watching my king because that's somebody who I've who I've pledged to, and that was Lord Valerian. So. Be interesting to kind of keep our eye on him and, and see sort of what he does throughout all of this. And it says Davos would have given much to know what, what he was thinking, uh, but one such as Valerian would never confide in him. The Lord of Tides was the blood of ancient Valeria, and his house had thrice provided brides for Targaryen princes. So there you go. Um, yeah, you know, and and there and and that's and that happens a lot. Um, we, you know, we saw it a little bit ago uh, with Jaina Slint, right? Uh, you know, he was promoted through through his deeds. Uh, Tyrion, uh, unfortunately for Jaina Slint, fortunately for us, the reader, uh, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. Um, gets, oh, you're now in charge of, um, Harrenhal. Well, now mm-hmm. you're not, but I mean, that's kind of how quickly power can come and go. And so Davos, Davos talks about in this chapter a little bit about how, he can he from a smuggler you know a a a a nobody smuggler his his heirs have the have the potential to he has the potential he's starting a house he has the potential to um provide you know like his his future generations with with a better opportunities just because of stannis baratheon and i think and that is his loyalty to him and his his loyalty to stannis throughout the series is a a very it's almost as Stanif is 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 his god. I mean, mm-hmm. it is very it is very de- almost devout in his in his um, loyalty. I guess is the word I'm looking for to Stannis. Right, right. Yep. Um, just yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, he owes him everything, as you as you say, and he says that often. Um, there's a really good line here. Um, this this happens to be right after. If you want to look at this in the book. Um, where he talks about being raised to knighthood, he actually goes over each of his sons and sort of their role uh, here with Stannis and just what's been kind of given to them. So a place of honor at his table, a war galley to sail uh, in place of a smuggler's skiff. And Sir Matt kind of already went over or hinted at, you know, even basically what the Onion Knight did uh, and, and provided for Stannis and how he, you know, saved the day, essentially. And that was what 
Those deeds are what got him his knighthood. But now uh, his sons, Dale and Allard, are captained. They, they captain galleys of their own. Like, they're captains. Um, Marek was an oar master on the Fury, and Mathos served his father on Black Betha. So those are his first four sons. And then his, um, his fifth son, uh, Devon, is a royal squire. He is a squire to Stannis. And then he's talking about one day he's going to be knighted, as well as maybe the two other lads that he has at home, uh, who he's named after. Um, he's named after you know Stannis and, and his father. So really, mm-hmm. really cool. It's just I mean you can tell like he's dedicated through and through. I mean it's, he's he is a king's man. He is he is Stannis's man through and through. Owes him everything, and I'm actually okay with that. Like I, is, Stannis is not a character who we're like, oh he's great. He's not well liked by the people or whatever. But he's an honest guy. He's a gruff dude, you know, and he. But he tries to be fair, I guess. And he wants, like later on when, when um, the maester is writing the letter that's going to be sent out by ravens to everybody, he, he wants no BS in there. No, like if it's a lie, take it out. My beloved brother, you know, Robert Baratheon. No, he wasn't beloved. Like, like I had as much love for him as he had for me. Yeah. So, but, but yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, okay. So, so while that's, while that's going on, um, you know, and we're getting that internal dialogue. Uh, what's going on uh, around Stannis is is Azor High and and light and, and Lightbringer. Um, you know, as they're as Melisandre is performing this this ceremony here. Um, you know, uh, in the ancient books of Ashai, it is written that there will come a day after a long summer when the stars bleed and the cold breath of darkness falls heavy on the world. In this dread hour, a warrior shall draw from the fire a burning sword, and that sword shall be Lightbringer, the red sword of heroes, and he who clasps it shall be Azor High come again, and the darkness shall flee before him. She lifted her voice, so it carried out over the gathered host. Azor High, beloved of R'hllor, the warrior of light, the son of fire, come forth, your sword awaits you. Come forth and take it into your hand." Stannis Baratheon strode forward like a soldier marching into battle, um, you know, and then he's he's given uh, he's given a a glove to pull this thing to pull this thing out, which should immediately mm-hmm. make it seem kind of odd. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's a glove. I mean, if you're the if you're the the if you're like the, the warrior of light, the mm-hmm. son of fire should fire harm you. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. You shouldn't need a glove to go over there and pull that bad boy out. And. Yeah, it's it's funny too because you'll get later on another story from from Salador where he says it's a it's not a burning sword, it's a burnt sword. It's mm-hmm. been burnt. That's it. It's not burning. Uh and right. he's uh, interesting yeah, and, so. Yeah, and we're going to talk a lot more about Azor High in our um extended edition on Patreon today. Uh but at the same time real quick uh before we kind of get back to Davos here, you've got Patchface. Under the sea, smoke rises in bubbles, and flames burn green and blue and black. Patchface saying somewhere, I know, I know, oh, oh, oh. So you still have Patchface there being as as weird and mysterious as as ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, and, that, and that's going on. Yeah, and what's really cool about that line, too, so we know that that's sort of like foreshadowing for a battle that will happen later on on the sea. And the flames are not flames that we're used to. Like, he's right. He's right. They are different. Um, they're not burning reds and yellows and stuff. Uh, but in fact, you know, they, they are sort of, um, they burn green and blue and black, which is fantastic, 
right? I mean, that's sort of like like he's making a, a huge nod to a battle that will happen later on in this book. And I'm just mm-hmm. sort of like, this is this is crazy. I mean, he like what, what is he is he like is it just coincidence or is he actually should we really be paying attention to this character? You know what I'm saying? Like, because we we can now go back and in, in a reread and look back at this and say, okay, um, you know, it looks like he's he's talking about the Battle of the Blackwater, and exactly. and you're like, okay, and we know that wildfire is is used there and we know it's coloring and we know all these different things so it's isn't that shocking you know it's like it's like like i i I, that that i think is sort of what germ does he lay he puts these layers in here and he makes you go back and say wow did this guy does he truly know or is it a, a coincidence or is he being fed something does he have visions is Patchface seeing looking into the flames and having a vision himself because that is sort of what is you know, happening here, um, what, you know, like Stannis sort of says, or, or I guess even like uh, someone who walks up to uh, Davos later will say that he had a vision and that he saw something in the flames. Uh, but really, the only person who really saw anything, maybe, is Patchface. And he, he's the one who was looking into the flames and the gods, uh, like the, the seven that, that are burning, and then he sees destruction uh, in a different form and a different coloration later on. So I don't know. I thought that was fascinating. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. And then we, you know, we, we hear the night is dark and full of terrors a couple of times. Um, you know, Stannis pulls when Stannis pulls the sword out, his his guards rush to beat out the cinders that cling to the king's uh, clothing. Right. And so, again, yeah, I mean, that right there should kind of you know tell you, uh, you know, Stannis, Stannis's glove begins to smolder, cursing the king, thrust the point of the sword into the damp earth and beat out the flames against his leg. So. You know, it, it, what's what's going through Stannis' mind at this point? Is he really think he's the Lord of Light, or does he think this is this is a joke? I think he thinks it's a joke. I th- I think right now he he doesn't really believe it, and it's all charade, and he's doing it to sort of get her support. Um, he knows maybe. Uh, that, I don't know. You know, it, it's sort of like. I, again, I go back to Melisandre's like arrival, and did she time this up just right to where? You know, she is showing up here during a time of confusion. Like, did he, by the time he looks to his wife, does he already, like, is she already got her, her hooks in here? And is she is she that persuasive? Like, did he seek other alliances first, traditionally? People in, like, in, in hold to the seven and seek them out, and then no one came. And so what he's left with is a sorceress. And so he's just like, okay, I'll use that, I guess, to the best of my advantage. Um, I'll kind of rely on her power. And, and, and stuff because it's it's a little crazy. I mean, he's a practical guy, right? Stannis mm-hmm. is 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 you know we're it's I don't know like he's not somebody who like he, he like magic believing in a flaming sword and, and magic and stuff. It's it's odd that all the other times where he he is very much like looking at the numbers and he seems like a guy who wouldn't be swayed by this sorceress you know who wouldn't just say yeah i'm gonna believe in this and it's, i'm gonna adopt this faith i mean and it's gonna I, I don't know it's it's sort of conflicting i guess is what i'm saying so. yeah yeah you know and it's also it's it's interesting too here um you know you're getting davos again his inner monologue as he's watching this whole thing unfold um and so you know, I spoke the words as well. Davos wondered, "Do I owe Stannis that much?" Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then then he looks at the sword and he talks about how the how the it's thrust in the ground. It's still red hot, but the flames are are dwindling and dying. The red sword of heroes looks a proper mess. 
um, you know, should Stannis fall, they will put me down in an instant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it's just it's just interesting. Um, you know, even Davos, who you know worships basically Stannis, is is thinking, well, even do I even need to believe in this in this god? Uh, you, you know, is like, do I need to? And he just and so that is this fiery god truly his own? He asks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's wondering that uh, as well. Like, like has Stannis fully adopted this, or is he just playing along? I mean, because again, he almost seems frustrated. Like he he takes the glove off and he he throws it down and he he put he plunged the sword down into the ground and now that its flames are dwindling and dying. You know, there's a, there's a glow to it, but it's no longer burning. And it's, it is, it is as Salador said, it is, is a burnt sword. It is not a burning sword. It's not still burning to this day. And so it's all kind of, this is where you, I go back and forth on Melisandre, where I see that she has some ability. She doesn't understand what this power is that she's working with. And I think actually, maybe that's something that George is trying to say when these individuals start working with um, glass candles and they start working with uh, relore or or bringing people back from the dead they don't maybe even truly understand all that they're doing and it's because you know magic is emerging again it's coming back and it's uh, it's growing but yet these these individuals who have studied it they're not quite sure um, what what to do or what's going on we see later on Melisandre gets sort of like down I mean she sort of like can't believe that some of what she has seen in the flame um, she really saw it but she misinterpreted it or it, exactly. it led like her later, astray. Yeah. Later, yeah. Later, when she, when she, uh, um, as you get to towards the Dance of Dragons, um, when she starts to question and, and starts and starts to think a little bit more about Jon Snow, right? Mm-hmm. And then in the show, and I, and some of the stuff I think that happens in the show, we will see in the books. You know, when she, when Stannis falls in battle, um, and she tries to bring Jon back, and then you know it does it doesn't happen like that second. She's she thinks she's she's completely lost right mm-hmm. she thinks she's you know uh she's like almost beside herself she, i don't know what to do uh then john does come back kind of reignites her um there as well and and and, and uh you know think about like daenerys right in season in season uh 7 and 8 when she loses a dragon i mean i'm mm-hmm. sure that had to that had to really put her in a position like I can't believe my dragons would ever be harmed let alone ki- one of them killed you know when the night king kills one and, and takes one um that you know I don't I, I don't I, I don't know if that's going to happen in the in the books is I yeah. think it's going to yeah. that's going to be totally totally different but again I mean just you know in trying to use that as something we may see um magic as you as you said as it doesn't mean it's it's completely controllable completely within our power and things can go wrong sometimes mm-hmm. yeah 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 right exactly exactly yeah uh okay so let me ask you a question here um just a little bit further on down here from where you're reading uh he starts to talk about his sons he starts to talk to his sons and they're they're again this whole back and forth on on do, do we trust relore do we not do we, what do we do do we stick to do we stick to stannis he kind of tells his sons you know remember that you're you know um well, he, like one of his sons, I think it's uh, Dale, maybe says that, you know, I'm a knight's son, father. If you won't remember, why would they? They start talking about why, sh- you know, should we be devout? Um, what mm-hmm. does Stannis think of these these gods truly? 
Uh, and he says, yeah, you're a knight's son, but not a knight, nor will you ever be if you meddle in the affairs that do not concern you. But this is interesting. They go on down a little bit more. Um, he says that Stannis is our rightful king, and is not. it's not for us to question him. We will sail his ships and do his bidding. That is all. As to that, Father, Dale said, I mislike these water casks they've given me for, for, for wraith. Green pine. The water will spoil on a voyage of any length. I got the same for Lady Mara, said Allard. The queen's men have laid claim to all the seasoned wood. Yeah, you know, I will speak to the king about it. He promised um, better it come from from him than Allard. His sons were were good fighters and better sailors, but they did not know how to talk to lords. They were lowborn, etc. Um, so, anyways, it's a little bit of a like like they're just kind of looking at. I, I I keep going back and forth between the queen's men and the king's men, and why are they getting access to? It, it's Relor. It's all the burnings that they're going to do, the seasoned woods, and again, you, it's a shift from from practicality it's sort of a like there's this shift from sanity to lucidity i mean like so you should have like even the wooden cask that they're using to transport water and stuff or whatever it may be um on the on these ships like is not right because we're saving it for for it to be burned and sacrificed to this this god does mm -hmm. it make sense that's sort of like they're, exactly. they're kind of like that's yeah what what is what is this come on now i mean really like like and then the Queen's men are, are kind of pushing it on all these guys. Like, no, it doesn't really matter. Even though you guys have sailed uh, the seas for years and you may know what's best, et cetera, and how the salt affects things, we don't we don't really care. We need this for Melisandre and for Queen Selyse. So it does sort of feel like she has, like Queen Selyse has a lot of power, air quote, power in this. And she can speak to her her king and to her husband um, in such a way. And even if she can't, through Melisandre, she can, or Melisandre can use her. Vice versa. It, there's a lot going on. You know, it's it's not. Um, we. I, I, that's why you kind of want to know the origins of this, and you kind of want to understand, like, how did he get involved in this? If that makes sense. It's a yeah, small. Yeah. It's a small little thing, but I think it's like no. It's it, no. Well, it's, it, it shows. It comes back up. It comes back up later. Yeah. Because you know. Um. Yeah. And I, I'm just. I'm remembering the scene. In the scene is this. I don't remember exactly what. Uh. What book I. Uh, I want to say Storm of Swords, but I'd, I'd really have to go back and, and look. But I remember it from the show. Um, you know, when Davis is talking, do you remember, you know, Davis and Melisandre get, you know, they they do not get along and Davis gets thrown in the cell and he gets put back, mm -hmm. you know, gets, yeah. gets pulled out. And, yeah, you know, there's moments where he talks about, well, I don't know uh, about magic, but I know what does win wars, men. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah. let me go get let me go get more men for you. Yeah. Um, and so and that's that is that kind of practicality uh, versus, you know, versus versus magic. And that is a struggle that will happen between Melisandre and Davos as advisors to Stannis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, OK, something to pay attention to and uh, and to think about. Um, now, let's see, as we as we move on, um, he starts talking about like there's a I mean, the, basically the, the sacrifice situation is is about to be over. Um, he knows that his friend Salador San is is uh, anchored nearby. Um, his great Valyrian was among all these other uh, great ships, and he talks about how the uh, Lord Stefan. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, like like he talks about these these ships, yeah, the the Pride of Driftmark, Red Claw, Swordfish, etc. Were all kind of there in in the harbor, and these other lords had brought their had brought their force. Um, and, and Salador kind of rivals him. I mean, he is, he's got, he's got enough ships and, and galleys and stuff to really, 
hold his own, but he's looked down upon eh, maybe a bit because he's from, he's a pirate. He's truly a, a smuggler uh, and, and not from this land. But someone who Davos, you know, had, had to recruit, uh, he and Davos were old friends, though. Uh, he gave a pat to the stone head uh, as, as he went in. Luck, he, he murmured, he's patting the gargoyle there. Um, and then so across the noisy common room, Salador San sat eating grapes uh, from a wooden bowl. When he spied Davos, he beckoned him closer. Sir Knight, come sit with me, eat a grape, eat two. They are marvelously sweet. And they start to have this back and forth, uh, you know, conversation. And this is where I've, I've hinted several times that uh, that Salador is he's here and he's willing to support. But his loyalty is he does. I don't know. It's not it, as long as you pay him and as long as you, you, you follow through on your promises and stuff, then he's good. I mean, he, like money will keep him. Um Davos has to almost con convince him that well, Stannis is an honorable man. He will pay whatever he has promised you. He like like it will be paid. That's if we win, though. You know, that's if if, if he he makes it to the Iron Throne. If not, I mean, this is all sort of a a gamble. Essentially, he's taking a risk in supporting Stannis because it's not like Stannis says, "Okay, here's the gold, um, and I'm going to pay you along the way." No, I'm going to like back pay you for all of this, and I think that's tough for for him, but he has enough riches and enough wealth that it's not that big of a deal yet. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's, that's something that uh, Daenerys is going to face too. Uh, that's, that's kind of her, that's also kind of her story um, in, in this book is, you know, when she shows up to, um, to car or Karth and all these other places. Well, yeah, we get, we, I get that you're the queen of the seven of the seven kingdoms, but we're a long way from the seven kingdoms. You don't have an army if you win, um, you know, all of, all of these things. And that's a yeah, uh, same kind of thing here. And it's just interesting that he is also from Essos where, you know, that it, it seems in Westeros, there is this kind of, you know, there's this kind of difference between people from Westeros and people from Essos. It does seem like people from Westeros are like, well, it's my right. And people buy into that a little bit more, mm -hmm. but yeah. people from Essos, Essos where it's, you know, free cities and, and all this kind of stuff. Eh, we'll see about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I need to, I need to see it before I I'll believe it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, and, and, uh, y yes, right. Um, something else interesting about, uh, about Salador here is, is the, is how well informed he is. So you talk about seeing and believing and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he was not here to see the sword that was pulled, but he have, he has his people, you know, and they can tell a tale and the story has, has come into the end or to, you know, to the, um, yeah, in, in, into the end here, and he's heard that it was a burnt sword. He also has really good information on King's Landing. He he seems to have his own network of, of ships and, and trading galleys and different things that, that go to um, different ports and harbors, and they pick up news and they bring it back to him. And he knows that, uh, that Tyrion is in King's Landing, and he hears sort of, you know, that he understands. He, I mean, he knows what happens to the gold cloaks and that they are now being captained by by an iron hand. Um, but in that, in that, uh, he makes a joke that sort of almost now is the time to strike. I don't even, I don't even know if he's joking. He's kind of saying that he lists the number of gold cloaks that are there and says like, if you basically we could have Stannis sitting on the throne tomorrow, like, like he could be, he could, well, like we could take the city now mm -hmm. and it's Davos doesn't necessarily believe that I guess. Um, and also, you know, Stannis is not as sure either, but, 
it would be this is this is a, a transitional time right i mean like like almost like the sooner you go the better because there's still a huge threat in the north and and lord tywin is tied up pretty well um if it weren't for his brother renly like i think he would just go make this now he'd make this happen now um he even knows i mean salador knows that renly is marching and that he's brought his queen with him too <laughs> so uh that either shows an arrogance or a confidence or or maybe that he's just uh, he doesn't quite understand um, warfare uh, that he's that he's bringing his entire court with him and they are there on the battlefields and stuff and moving yeah so that's interesting uh, that that he is this well informed if you will yeah yeah it is I mean as the reader well at this point you wouldn't know but as this is a reread we do know this is totally the time to strike. Uh, yeah. and, but instead he does seem he, rather than going to King's Landing, he will make the decision to, uh, pursue Renly first. Um, mm -hmm. because really, I mean, in the, it, if Renly were back, were with Stannis, I mean, then it would just be, it would be over, uh, because you, mm -hmm. you'd be uh, being at King's Landing would be pressed by, t from two sides, they'd have no, they'd have no way to, um, no way, no way to st to stop that. But yeah, I mean, you know, the, it's also interesting though uh, that Melisandre doesn't see that in her flames, right? Uh, yeah, you, you it's know, like that, he's more well informed. Yeah, exactly. Which is interesting, right? I and mean, that's sort of the thing is is that you have people like Varys and others who who aren't looking into their flames to see things, and they're really hearing actual reports or spying for themselves, and they know what was said, and then from that they then are making predictions or trying to assess a situation and, and decide what to do where she's completely reliant upon her flames, uh, which again is, is crazy. It's, it seems like madness. It seems like, you know, Stannis has sort of like adopted this, this, this crazy ap approach here. Um, we don't really know what's, what's happening with him. Like, why not listen to to some of these guys who have who can smuggle, who can get in there, and who can get some really good intel? And they 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 give you the number on the gold cloaks. They tell you that Tywin is tied up at Harrenhal. Um, they tell you that Renly is is marching and is moving and has this host and this force. But right now, you know, Stannis has the advantage in the sea, and that's what he'll that's what he'll try to use later on in the Battle of the Blackwater. Like that's that's what he's going to end up going with. But right now. I mean, it seems like, and again, this is sort of, we're maybe just seeing him. Maybe he doubts his men because, you know, Renly has the reach behind him. I mean, yeah, Stannis yeah. just kind of has Dragonstone. I mean, so it's not like Stannis has an enormous army or anything. No, yeah, no, right. And, and, and that maybe he is hoping to get more. I mean, you know, Davos says that they don't have the numbers. I mean, he, he kind of believes they wouldn't, they wouldn't have the numbers. Really, it's almost like if they take King's Landing, yeah, we can take it, but Renly's coming. And Renly can also do what we did. He can take it just as easily from us. So it's like it's like do you deal with Renly first, which is what he'll end up kind of doing. So Yeah. Um but I I I find it hard to believe though that if it'd be different if cuz right now it's like well, it's Joffrey. Okay, and Joffrey, uh, most people, you know, people believe to be a bastard son. He's not a legitimate heir. But if Stannis were to take the throne before Renly, those, I feel like a lot of people would probably either defect or lose interest in Renly's claim 
because Stannis is a more legitimate heir to the majority of the realm mm-hmm. than than Renly is, and so if it just, and I mean, it could just turn into a war between Stannis and Renly, and we're just taking it because. But I I I do I do think um, if Stannis were to just were to have taken it first, then Ren, even if Renly were coming, I think. Renly would have a much harder time taking the throne. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, God, I actually, I, I just found something. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so this is what amazes me about a reread and things that I'd never noticed before. And I'm gonna have to look this up. And maybe folks who are listening can look this up too. You know, we're learning about Davos as a character and as a, as a person. Um, we we need to go back and just briefly mention like sort of what he the whole Nisa Nisa story and how he thought that was ridiculous. And almost, he almost seems more worthy of the sword than anybody else because he wouldn't be willing. It's not that, that flaming sword is not worth killing his Mm -hmm. wife, you know? And that's sort of, we're like, yes, okay, this is a guy I can get behind. He's, he's, he's got it. Um, he seems to have a good moral compass, et cetera. And, but he's also the same type of guy who every time he passes this gargoyle, he pats it on the head and he says, luck, he does it twice, maybe three times in this chapter where he says that so we've been talking about gods and yet davos is a man who believes in luck you know and who who is um maybe a little superstitious i guess like a little bit like isn't that funny you know it's sort of like a it's another layer to him uh it's the same sort of thing with his fingers you know the bones right the finger bones that he keeps around his neck it's sort of like wait why but there's something to like that's that's he it's a reminder you know and and they're good luck so Kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, Davos and Salador Sand are talking a little bit, uh, you know, as you said about the numbers and they're talking about, um, you know, what they, what they'll do if if they win. You know, Salador Sand talks kind of about how he wants uh, the queen. Right. He, he wants he wants he wants Cersei uh, Cersei Lannister as um, mm-hmm. as his own. They talk a little bit about uh, Azor High and the. the the, the the different story right the Salador yes. Sand has heard um you know did you know did you know the the tale of the forging of Lightbringer um and how you know we talked about it a lot you know for 30 days and 30 nights Azor Ahai labored in the temple forging a blade in the sacred fires um he plunges it into water it breaks he then you know, um you know plunges it into a beast hearts it breaks and then it's not until he plunges it into his wife nisa nisa that it ends up um and ends up ends up working mm-hmm. yeah yep yeah yeah so there's a lot of storytelling catching up there we get some backstory and we'll cover more of the um Lightbringer. yeah yeah later on in extended edition um because now after he's done with salador sand kind of talking with him he is summoned sort of to speak with uh, Stannis. Stannis wants a report. He wants to sort of know what's going on. Um, and as he sort of arrives here, uh, as as he goes to meet him, a dozen highborn knights and great bannermen were just leaving. Lords Keltigar, Valerian, each gave him a curt nod and walked on while the others ignored him utterly. So at least those guys are, you know, those were two he had pointed out earlier who seemed to not be as satisfied or who have been careful maybe with what they say about R'hllor and the gods. But then Sir Axel Florent uh, uh, stopped for a word. And this is um, this is the queen's uncle. And actually remember that House Florent has declared for Renly Baratheon. So he's even a little bit, you know, uh, worried about about um, Queen Selyse and her uncle. But, but here he is. 
And he's the one who, for he kind of says that he he served ten years as as the Castellan there at uh, Dragonstone, while Stannis sat on Robert's council in King's Landing. So that's neat to know that he was there. Uh, Sir Davos, it's good to see you, as ever. He said, and you, my lord, uh, I made note of you this morning as well. The false gods burned with a merry light, did they not? They burned brightly. Davos did not trust this man for all his courtesy. House Florin had declared for Renly, and so he chooses his words carefully that uh, it wasn't a merry light but they did burn brightly you know so the, the connotation there is not is not one of uh, that he was happy that they were burning but that the light was bright <laughs> if you will mm-hmm. um and let's see let me read on down here L- lady melisandre tells me that sometimes relore permits his faithful servants to glimpse the future in flames uh it seemed to me as i watched the fire this morning that i that that I was looking at a dozen beautiful dancers, maidens garbed in yellow silk, spinning and swirling before a great king. Uh, I think it is a true vision, sir, a glimpse of the glory that awaits his grace after we take King's Landing and the throne that that, uh, is his by right. And it's sort of odd. I mean, like Stannis is not one who seems like he'd be interested in a dozen beautiful dancers. You know, like that seems foolish to him. That's not something he's... He's not interested in temptation and, and stuff. He's he's faithful to his what you know. It's it's it goes counter to sort of what his what nature. What, yeah, what he's what he his nature. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He says yeah. He says and actually I, Davos says I, that. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. He says Danos has no taste for such dancing. He thought. Wow. I didn't even know. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he says I only I I saw I only saw fire. Only well, there fire. you go. See that that's that's great. That's the kind of stuff where it's like whatever he saw. I mean, if he did see something. And there are people who, who speculate that it could have been uh, a different king or a different place um, where this dancing or this what have you was taking place. Or he was just seeing things. You know, he's just he's making it up because people want to believe and they want to they want to think that they um, are special in some way and that they were given some sight and some vision in the flames. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting that uh, that comment was made. And uh, so now as as he goes up to the painted table, which we talk about in Aegon's Conquest in this great table of the uh you know that, that depicted the seven kingdoms. Really cool here in, mm-hmm. in Dragonstone. Uh Maester Pylos is there. And re- remember, he was the one who was summoned to that little dinner uh that they had instead of Maester Cresson. And Cresson wanted to be awoken, he wanted to be there for Stannis, and he wanted to be uh, sort of a member of his council, but he was getting very old, and and you know, Pylos is there, and 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 Crescent when he shows up is killed. Uh, Davos is not too sure of this guy. I mean, again, he loved Maester Crescent, and and he he's just not he's not sure, you know. And I think I kind of I kind of get it. Uh, he seems Pylos seems a little bit closer to the queen as well, um, and and is definitely okay, maybe more so with Melisandre. Doesn't um doesn't fight with her. I mean, Creston was ready to kill her. Like he, the poison that he poured in his own goblet, like, and shared with Melisandre. Yeah. I mean, he was yeah. ready to die. Sacrifice to, to, to protect. Him, to sacrifice, yeah. sacrifice himself if that's what he had to do. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, it's a, it's a neat little interaction here. Um, they talk about him not knowing his letters and learning to read, uh, that Devin had learned and that's, that Stefan and Stannis, uh, were learning as well. So these were, again, things where his son's, uh, were go- these these were the sons who he believed were going to ascend to knighthood eventually and give him grandsons and you know his his line will continue on and he's he's proud of that it's a good thing he's very happy um, in that regard and owes Stannis everything mm-hmm. so 
Yeah. Uh, then we kind of get to, um, you know, as Davos is is, is uh, doing some more walking around, he gets to. Um, I like when we get when we get to uh, the letter being written. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost comical in a way, uh, you know, as as they're reading and, and they do a good job of it in the show where Stannis is very specific about how he wants the letter written and they're going yeah. over it. Uh, you know, they're writing all this stuff and. Um, you know, all all men know me for the trueborn son of Stefan Baratheon, Lord of Storm's End, by his lady wife, uh, Cassana of House Estermont. I declare upon the honor of my house that my beloved brother Robert, our late king, left no trueborn issues of his body. The boy Joffrey, the boy Tommen, and the girl Mycella being abominations born of incest between Cersei Lannister and her brother Jaime, the Kingslayer. Um, by a right of birth and blood, I do lay down. Or I do this day lay claim to the Iron Throne of the Seven Kingdoms of Westeros. Let all the true men declare their loyalty done in the Lord of the Light under the sign and seal of Stannis of House Baratheon, the first of his name, King of the Andals, the Roinar, the first man, and Lord of the Seven Kingdoms. Uh, you know, and then immediately this is where we start. We start getting into Stannis's edits, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, make it Sir Jamie, whatever else man, the whatever else the man may be, he remains a knight. Uh, and I don't know who ought who. I don't know that we ought to call Robert my beloved brother. He meant no more than me than I had to him, you know. And so it's just like he, I just I I don't know why I just find this like kind of comical. We're saying it's like no, I want it like this. I want it like that. Okay, take that out. No, right. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it what it is it's it's like he's and again when you read it you would know that it is something that came from from Stannis, mm-hmm. right? And what's interesting is you get to you get a little insight here into how the maesters are and how they operate, like. Do they add little embellishments to the letter? Are they taking stuff out? Like, did he really later on when he went and write this? Did he did he honor that? Did he take it out, or did mm-hmm. he send it? Did he keep it in? I was actually just trying to look real quick and see if that was something that he did, like a little, a little twist. But it just sort of would show you that the maesters tend to kind of, um, you know, I mean, like like they're 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 clever and they are trying to do what they think is best. And sometimes they think they're more well informed. But truly, Stannis had the right in this. Like this is. This is me. And you want people to know that the author of this was truly Stannis Baratheon and not some maester who wrote it on his behalf. See, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is kind of funny. Um, but then it's also like you get into that whole maester conspiracy thing and you start to think like, oh, OK, these guys write this and then he's editing it. And it's like, hopefully he does take it out. Is he going to see all 117 uh, you know, letters that are sent out? Uh, is he going to review them all beforehand? It Things like that, you know, that I, I kind of think about, like, I wonder I, I wonder how that went down. So yeah, yeah, the grand maester conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, and so then, this is where uh, Davos and his sons start getting um commands, right? Or, or your next your next orders, right? Uh, Stannis is starting to dispatch people. They talk about they have a hundred. Yeah, as you said, one hundred seventeen ravens. We're it's we're getting ready to start um his conquest. Uh, you know, I have I have ne- uh, mean for you to sail uh, Black Betha north to Galltown to the Fingers and the Three Sisters, even White Harbor. Your son Dale will go south to the Wraith, past Cape Wrath and the Broken Arm, all along the coast of Dorne as far as the Arbor. Each of you will carry a chest of letters, and you will deliver every one. Uh, you will deliver one, excuse me, to every port and holdfast and fishing village. Nail them to doors on seps and inns for every man who can read. Um, and so that's that's what that's the plan. We're gonna let mm-hmm. every everybody in the seven kingdoms know that I am Stannis Baratheon, the one true king of Westeros. Yeah, and if there's anything, if there's one thing that really truly will do is it does put some doubt out there. You've got these lords who, whether they 
again, their reaction to it, like when they read it or it's read to them, it puts them all in a, a position where they, if they laugh and they say, yeah, he's probably right. Like they need to be careful who's in their court and who's listening and who takes that back to the queen. It puts everybody sort of on edge. Like it, it, it creates more tension, if you will. So it does have like that effect, but will people believe it? And that's something that, that Davos brings up. Like, where's the proof? How are you going to be able to prove this and enter Edric Storm, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that's someone who he says is like the spitting image of his brother um, who was on his on Stannis's wedding night um, had actually, was it a sister or a cousin uh, who was a Florent who he was with, who Robert Baratheon ends up getting with. And since she was a maiden uh, and this was her first child and stuff and a noble, uh, he acknowledges the bastard. And, yeah. and actually says, yes, that is my son. That is Edric uh, Storm. And yeah, my son. And he looks just like his father. Um, and he's someone who you could bring in and say, now look, let's put Joffrey next to him. And, and here, you know, here, here, here we are, I guess. So kind of, kind of interesting, I think. Yeah. But is, is that enough? I mean, how are you going to, I mean, you have to win King's Landing and then like you have to bring the great lords down to sort of make their, they then have to come see this evidence for themselves. And I, he has to be in a position of power to do all of that. You know, it's not like he can say, show up here to Dragonstone. I'll prove it to you. I mean, go see, go look at Joffrey and then come. To, it's tough, I guess. Yeah. Is, is the yeah, thing. yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's got, I mean, he's, if you, it's a lot easier to do when you're sitting on the iron throne, right? Cause mm -hmm. then you're, you're in that position of power. You you're in that ability for people to say, Oh, okay. Right now. I mean, even still, again, you know, we talked about earlier, I think a lot of people just are, okay with the idea because a lot of people don't even go to king's landing you know a lot of people probably don't even leave their their hometown right and so a lot of people are just you know as we see with Arya on the king's road i mean how many people that live you know by river run leave or go or travel you know a lot of people talk about oh i, I would love to i would love to go see the wall or i'd love to go to to see old town but they never do so a lot of these people mm -hmm. they don't they don't know what joffrey looks like who he is yeah well, and there's something Stannis says here. He says, you know, when Davos points this out, he says, yet how are men to see him if he is at Storm's End? Uh, Stannis drummed his fingers on the painted table. It is a difficulty, one of many. He raised his eyes. Uh, you have more to say about the letter? I mean, like, that's it. He moves on. Yeah, it's difficult. I don't know. Like, it, but I'm going to move we'll on. Figure, and this we'll is where. It out. Yeah. Um, and then he bounces his head and he was just like, there was a phrase at the end. How did it go? Done in the light of the Lord. Yes. The king's jaw was clenched. Your people will mislike those words, as did you. You know, he says sharply, uh, if you were to say instead, done in the sight of gods and men or by the grace of gods old and new, uh, then he says, have you gone devout, smuggler? Uh, he's like, and it's not for me to question, my liege. Was it now? You know, it sounded as though, you know, you, you love my new God no more than uh, you, you, you love my new maester. And he starts to explain these people knew the seven. They don't know R'hllor, and R'hllor even sounds strange on their tongue. It's not something, it's, it's actually foreign to this land. So it may be even harder for them to kind of accept that. So yeah, we talked about that earlier a little bit, but again, here's where it's sort of uh, emphasized, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, th and this is actually where uh, you get a little bit of insight on Stannis, right? You know, Davis is talking about, you know, he's, he, um, they're talking about, do you really love the, do you really love the seven all of all of this kind of stuff um 
you know, Davos says, you know, when I was a, a boy in Flea Bottom begging for a copper, sometimes the Septons would feed me. He said, I feed you now. Uh, you have given me an honor place at your table, and in return, I give you the truth. And it does, it's Stannis, or Davos does have, it seems to have this almost special relationship with Stannis where he is really the only person that's kind of honest to him, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and, you know, I think a lot of people just fear him, but I think Stannis appreciates that. And we see that later with Stannis and John is that. John talks to Stannis very differently than a lot of other people do. And I think Stannis, because he doesn't really have that many people like that in his life, I think that's why he really appreciates Davos and John. Um, because they they talk to him uh, not necessarily as equals, but kind of in in a way uh, in a way, it's probably the closest thing to an equal that Stannis has, right? It's not like it's not like the the people Stannis had at King's Landing where, you know, everyone's just vying for power, backstabbing each other politically. Um, whereas Davos and John, I'm, I'm trying to think of the word really, but I, I well, I, no, I get you. I mean, that. like, like, like one thing that he says about Lord Keltigar here is that you know, if he were to see my privy, if he were to come in, you know, and see this, he would say it's an it was it was honorable. You know, basically, it's like what, like, like it doesn't matter what he would show him uh, that Keltigar would say that's honorable. I mean, like it's. These aren't men who are going to go toe to toe with him and argue with him or even, you know, contradict some of what he says or give him good counsel. You need someone to say, no, that's not a good idea, you know, and here's why. And then from there, you can go back and forth a little bit and say, okay, well, here I like you start to take maybe your five points and maybe three of them are good, but two of them are bad. He needs somebody who he can go back and forth and who he can trust to do that. And Davos is that person. And yeah, so, I mean, again, it's almost like, he has that true counselor there. The other lords just bring their power, and they just want to please him. They want good. They want these positions of whatever. It's they're they're leaning on Stan, Stannis to make these decisions. You know, like you make these decisions, we're gonna follow you. But then he needs somebody to go back and forth with on, uh, like like the letter. He's 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 having Davos weigh in here on the letter, and, and things. So it's important. It's important stuff, and he has an important role, uh, and that's why he's granted the position that he's granted. Uh, you know later so yeah yeah well yeah and you know they talk in a little bit here and so this is as they're, they're this whole conversation they're having is leading into why um why relor and why melisandra um you know stannis says abruptly you know relor you know and they're talking about they don't even want to say the name right um you know he said why is that so hard you know he says he knows that he's like people don't love me he's like how can so how how can i stand to lose something i've never had Right. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about I've never believed in the gods anyway, because when his mother and father died right on the when the, his ship was coming in and it broke apart across the bay, he says, you know, any god so monstrous as to drown my mother and my father would never have my worship. Um, so he says, you know, Davos says, well, if you don't believe in gods, you know, why trouble with this new one? Um, he says, I've asked myself that as well. I know I could care less for the power of gods, but the red P- priestess has power. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that is really what it it, 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 se- it seems to be um, that he seems. He says, the Iron Throne is mine by rights, but how am I to take it? There are four kings in the realm. Three of them have more men and more gold than I do. I have ships and I have her. Uh, the Red Woman, half my knights are afraid to even say her name. Uh, did you know that? If she can do nothing else, a sorcerer who conspires such dread and grown men is not to be uh, despised. A frightened man is a beaten man, and perhaps she can do more, um, and I mean to find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I guess that's it, right? I mean, she she must in some way have shown him something and, and shown him her power 
uh, and so he is a believer. And we will then see later on, you know, again, this is coming from from Davos's point of view, what Stannis has seen or been witness to, Davos has not yet. And we're later going to see this power, and Davos will witness it. He will see it uh, later on. It's going gonna, it's gonna to shake him a little bit. You know, whether you believe in gods or not, source or whatever, this is something that's real and, and or seemingly real, uh, I guess. And, yeah, it, it's, he believes in it, and he's going to use it to to get to the Iron Throne. You know, the, the last little, the, the last paragraph of this chapter, it talks about his, um, you know, proud wing and, and how, you know, Robert called it weak wing. It was this, it was this bird when, when he went hawking and it was, he was, um, as a boy, like his bird did not do as well as Robert's. And it was just, you know, as much as he had trained and did whatever, it never flew higher than the, than the treetops or whatever. And it was his uncle or someone who comes along and says, you know, it's time to use a new bird. It's time to try something new, like like quit holding on to, to this bird that's doing you no good. It's not it's not doing what you're asking it to do. It's it's it's, and and, and the crazy thing is though, like 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 the irony in this this whole little analogy here of 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 Proudwing, um, is that it was a bird that didn't want to be far from him, that loved and sort of cared for him and liked and enjoyed being around Stannis, and it's that loyalty that's actually almost worth more than this this other great beast, a red hawk, if you will, that will strike. Uh, that will fly higher, fly, fly further, or whatever. Um, it's just weird. It's it's sort of two different belief systems kind of tied up in this analogy of 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 hawking and the and the, and the birds, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of cool. Well, especially when you compare it to the what we know about um, uh, the wolves, the dire wolves, and the Starks. Keep them yeah. as close as possible, not right. as, as 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 far away. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. It's a good chapter. It's a good. Um, you know, look at look at Davos and understanding his character. The thing about luck, I never even really put that together. I thought that was really, really. It's another layer to him. Uh, <laughs> just you know, a smuggler's luck. You know, needing needing a little luck to kind of, kind of make it make it through and stuff. But uh, I don't know. Re- really cool. And we now know that Melisandre has power. Um, that uh, Queen Selyse is sort of a big deal. She has a lot of influence. She has queensmen. Uh, Stannis has his kingsmen, and he's trying to court these um, other lords. But at the same time, it's an, it's in an abrupt way. You know, you have to give up your seven and join in here with with R'hllor. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's good. And the other thing about this chapter is that it's it's our first venture into something new. And I think that's it's it's good. It's it's refreshing. You know, as we do this, we do this week by week. And so um, for a lot of people, you know, that's a long time to get through a book. But it's like, oh, man, now it's like, oh, it's exciting. It's fresh. It's new. It's uh, even though it's, I mean, it's old material, but it's just now we have this new character, this new perspective that we'll get from time to time. And I, I, I actually do think the Davos chapters for a lot of people who do POV reads where you just pick a character and go. The Davos chapters are always I, I think they're really good. They're really uh, exciting. His his character development throughout the series. I mean, he's a fan favorite for for obvious. Yeah. Reasons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, good chapter. Hopefully, people enjoyed you know some of that that bit with Davis, and like, we'll we'll kind of uh, touch on Nisa Nisa and uh, Zora High here in the extended in the extended edition. But uh, but yeah, I'm excited. And then even you know next week's chapter is going to be uh, good as well. Clash of Kings really really kind of takes it up a notch. We've been saying it, and now we're really we're really seeing it. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we have a Raven here. Um, this one I think is actually kind of directed at me a little bit here. So. Uh, agree. Uh, Greetings, good sirs, from the very snowy land of Ontario, Canada. And I was just pulling it up on a map because I, I mean, obviously I know where Canada is, but I don't, I always kind of forget like which, they have territories and provinces. I don't really know how it works. Yeah. 
Right. I know there's French Canada and then there's British Canada. Um, and so I was just kind of pulling it up there. But yeah, I mean, that's, it's huge. Ontario's like huge. It's huge. Yeah. It's enormous, man. Yeah. I just pulled it up. Like, that's like, <laughs> geez, that's like the entire West Coast of the United States. It's pretty big. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Greetings, good sirs, from the very snowy land of Ontario, Canada. Just wanted to lend my support to Sir Matt after his, uh, enc- you know, his encounter, his harrowing encounter with the spider a few weeks ago. Sounded so scary. Well, it was. Uh, just, just yeah, just cl- right in front of my face. Like, oh, Jesus. You know, I again, I still don't know where it's at. It could be here. I don't know. Right. Uh, she says, I literally feel your pain. Last summer, my son went on a camping trip to Algonquin Park. I hope that's uh, pronouncing that quick correctly. When I picked him up, I noticed a spider on his bag in the in the backseat of my truck. Then I noticed two more. Then five more. What? Wow. <laughs> it became a scary ordeal driving down the road and having a little black creature from hell slowly dropping from the ceiling right into my line of sight. We emptied the truck, vacuumed everything. I thought it was handled. Oh, no. This is, uh, last week, a day before your encounter, I was sitting in my truck at a ski hill. I don't ski. I just wait and watch. Safety first. Uh, <laughs> uh, happily eating snacks and listening to the new uh, Chattagast Vikings podcast. That's our uh, buddy over there, um, uh, Lord Adam Park. Parker, right mm-hmm. um yep. uh, uh vikings uh, podcast and i see something and i saw something move out of the corner of my eye it's another spider and it's negative 10 degrees outside uh i swat him i swat him away and then reached for a f- uh, few more snacks only to see another little bastard in my popcorn bag how many of the creepy dudes did i eat what it's beginning to scar me for life um Anyway, now that I've ensured none of your listeners will ever drive with me, I just wanted to share my trauma with you all. Enjoy your day. Stay um, very. Uh, Lady Shannon. Yeah. Yeah, man. Let me, wow. tell, you, let me tell you. You know, uh, I read, I, I remember reading this a while back that they say that you, uh, we probably actually eat like three spiders a year, just like on average, right? Like during our sleep, which is like crazy to think about. Are there spiders crawling on our face? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. That's that's actually uh, that's actually really scary. You know, I, yeah. I, 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 you know, whatever. It's a spider. No, there's five. Then there's another one. They're showing up. Yeah. Like, what are, is she like near Shelob's lair? Like, is there something <laughs> like, you know, say like, like, should we should we make a great quest out of this? Uh, and like and like go find the great uh, spider and, I, and kill it. I don't know. You know what? You know what? Uh, sounds like a good idea. Um, Fire. Right, you know, yeah, you, yeah. It I, sounds like it sounds like you need Melisandre over here uh, to take care take care of your truck. Yeah, I don't, man. Which are you more afraid of, spiders or snakes? Snakes, yeah. <laughs> snakes, snakes. Yeah, I, 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 I don't mess yeah. with snakes. I don't mess with spiders. Yeah. Alligators. I don't even like. Go- I mean. I, you know, I have family in Florida. It's a it's a pretty it's a pretty state. You know, Universal's there. Oh. There's alligators down there, man. I don't mess with alligators. I'm out. Crocodiles, I am. They're massive. Right? I every They're time I go, there, right? yeah. alligators and crocodiles. The di- I, 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 wish, I They're I the wish, same to me. What What's the difference between <laughs> them? I, I, like I said, they're the same you know, to me. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, one, you so, know, yeah. They, they they both can eat me. That's yeah. what I know, and I'm not having any of that. So, yeah, I, I've I've have uh, I have a cousin that lives down there. And like, yeah, no big deal. Gator just had, happened to me on his back porch when he opened his door. Oh, I'm out. Are you, are you ah, joking? Man. Yeah, no, are I, you no. kidding me? Can't do it. 
can't like do it. I uh yeah I mean that thing could get in the house you know it's like mm-hmm. it's also like I have uh, cousins who live down in, in in Kentucky and like there's rumors sometimes you know black bear gets up in the house and it's like I, I'm out <laughs> you know like what holy cow get ready um hey hey actually here interesting fact about around uh, around here just down from where your dad lives uh sir Matt like we saw a Sasquatch. Um, They're there. The, oh, <laughs> don't even. Don't get me started. That's my bu- my buddy Lane would tell you. They're real and they're in southern Ohio. They are, so no, they're out. real and they're definitely out here in the Pacific. North and they, yeah, they're definitely out there in, in near Portland. Um, no, we saw like a uh, a bobcat. My dad saw a a bobcat. It made like the Mount Vernon news. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it's been you know it's around. It's doing its thing. I'm like, now, are, well, that thing's huge. Are bobcats and cougars? No, mountain lions and cougars are the same thing. Bobcats is sort of like close to a lynx. Yeah, like they, they, a, they don't, uh, yeah, because a mountain lion looks more like like uh, not like a tiger, like a cheetah. It's like a spotless cheetah, right? Where it's it's it's, it's yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't know. I, dude, I don't know the know, difference. I, yeah, but yeah, I don't mess with any. They're of all those. scary. I know. <laughs> yeah, I do still say, Ooh. and I've, I've made this argument several times. Is I do think it's it's it's, it's interesting throughout um history you know how like we've domesticated dogs right mm-hmm. yeah you know and and but we've never like scientifically or whatever uh domesticated large cats and i i just you know yeah. i i would just <laughs> i just i just think it's int- i just think i do think it's interesting it's this total random thing has literally nothing to do with game of thrones but it's just something i've <laughs> always just something i've always thought about and wondered and like you know i would love to have you know we have big dogs, right? You can get like a Great Dane, or yeah, you can just get big dogs, man. But I would love to have a big cat. Like I would love to have like a pet lion or a pet cheetah. Obviously not one that would of course kill you, because the idea would be like it would be like domesticated. But I just do right. think it, maybe it's just because of the nature of cats, where like I mean even small like dogs, you, you know, you you train dogs not to bite you or whatever. And even some dogs, like you know, you can play with them and like they won't bite you, even like when they're you're mm-hmm. really roughing each other up stuff like that. Cats, not so much, man. Uh, <laughs> cats will attack you for no reason. So maybe right. that's it. Maybe it's just the nature of cats that, um, even like if you know you, you, you train. I mean, and some people do. Like you see it where they they have lions and stuff trained, but it's it's obviously pretty rare. But I just yeah, I'd love one, man. I just love to have like yeah, a, well, a pet cheetah. Yeah, uh, you know, I I think they're you know they're cute and cuddly and will eat your face. I mean, but right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, run sixty uh, they, they miles your an face. hour. So I'm out. I'm out on that. Well, here's something. I mean, you know, George has said, like, he makes a con- I mean, kind of a, a comment on this and in, in the nature of skin changing and stuff. Like, you got to be careful with mm-hmm. with hawks and birds and cats and stuff like that. I mean, like, because of their nature. Yeah. yeah okay. So. so, all right. So if you could, uh, again, nothing to do with Game of Thrones here. But all right. So let's just continue on here with some, some more questioning. All right. If you could have any animal, you know, say maybe let us know in the group. If you could have any animal as a pet... That is obviously mm-hmm. some sort of pet that would, of course, be incredibly dangerous, right? Uh, mm-hmm. What would it be? You know, like if you could have like a pet bear or a pet tiger or a pet, uh, you know, lion or panther or, you know, what, wow. would, what would what would it be? Wow, you know, I've actually can I ta- can I I'm gonna answer this ready? Yeah. Um, I think I've always wanted, I've always wanted to ride an elephant. Mm-hmm. Actually, and I mean, those, they're they're scary. They're big. Yeah, but I think you can. Like, I think I think I know you can. I know yeah. you can. I, I I and I, but I still think that's not a normal thing you would have as a pet. So, like, I yeah. this is this. I mean, I'm not picking anything scary. So, oh, like, I, 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 I you know, you, yeah. yeah if, if I got to pick something that's what air, air quote wild, 
Uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be something I've seen people have somewhat of success in in like you know <laughs> like, <laughs> like so maybe an, an elephant, elephant I don't know. an elephant could trample you. I mean, you know. Yes, it could. And, I it mean, could. if an elephant decide if an elephant see, if you have a pet elephant and you're on the couch and. You know, you've got a lap dog. Like you know how sometimes you have people who have have two different dogs, and like they'll have like a yep. small dog, uh, and then they have a yep. big dog, and then the small dog gets up in somebody's lap, and so the big dog thinks that well, I want to be a lap dog. That's right. right. You know. Yeah. Then, so then they try to climb in your lap, and it's like, oh my god, okay, get off me, because um, they're just they're too big. I mean, if you do that with an elephant, you're dead. Well, and I, yeah, yeah, that, and I'm also just I'm, I'm worried that you know, what if I offended this elephant, you know, in its infancy or when it was a baby, or they have long memories, yeah, you know. So they it's do, like, they don't what if for years, what if for years this elephant has been plotting my my demise? So you got to be careful with that. You hey, know, that kind even of stuff. Cersei wanted elephants. Okay, she didn't get them. Yes, she really, if she, she had had the elephants, would she have won? There's yeah, yeah, there we yeah. go. There's the question. There's the poll. <laughs> There's the poll. If Cersei had had the elephants, would she have won? See, it's all full circle. We just we just bring yeah. it back. Bring it yeah. back. Yeah. So, all right. Well, guys, um, be soon. Uh, be sure to check out on Patreon. We're gonna do our extended edition for this episode. We'll be talking a lot more about Azor High, um, and who possibly some of the other candidates are. But. As always, guys, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter 11, Theon. So another new character in A Clash of Kings. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, or leave us a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that the night is dark and full of terrors.